Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. I hope that as you come week by week into the service, that you're in prayer for the service, that the Spirit of God will speak that song that we just sang. We want to be a fellowship where the presence of God comes, because when He is here, things happen in our hearts and through our lives. And so um, I hope that you would take time to get to know other people in this fellowship, find out what they do. Uh, uh, Keith is a pilot, a senior pilot with Southwest Airlines and uh, been a good friend. They've been here six years now. Somebody just brought them to church and here they have been here six years and we're very, very grateful for them and we pray that today that uh, as you pray for him, that God's word to us through him will be ministered effectively. And we've already prayed for him and the prayer group back there has prayed. So fasten your seatbelts <laughs> since he's a pilot. Let's up go your fast. Here we go. I do talk fast. So, and I'm up here now and I'm nervous, so I'll probably talk faster. So I, I'm going to have to slow down. Thank you, Steve and Eric, for letting me share at this time. This is a very precious time and I don't take it... Uh, Lightly, this is uh, my privilege, and to be quite honest with you, I am so full this week because I've been in the Bible a whole lot more than I usually am, and I am just, I have too much to say. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get you out of here on time. John's helped me out with the clock and stuff like that. But, so, well, we're going to talk about hurry a little bit in this message too. So uh, I don't want to be in a hurry. I, wanna, I want the Lord to speak. And I thank the Lord for speaking through the music team and the words that have been spoken already. And Sunday school, I didn't make it there, but my wife said it was fantastic. So it's my privilege to be here. If you would, just kind of bear with me because I'm not accustomed to doing this. So I might be reading some stuff and different things. But we're going to talk about gospel stewardship. And I promise you, I'm not going to ask for any money at the end of the service or anything like that. So you can feel good about that. But... But I, I think, Steve did say I was passionate about it. Well, I'm passionate about all of us being passionate about Jesus. That's, you know, and what he gives us. You know, here we are. And it's just amazing. This body of believers is unbelievably generous. And, 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 and we'll talk a little bit more how you're generous. I mean, most people think it's just the dollar signs, right? No, not at all. That's, that's really not what it's all about. So we're going to talk about stewardship a little bit today. Um, I do want to just mention, just kind of by introduction, that my dad and my granddad, they never went to church. And the number one reason they didn't go to church was because they thought the church only wanted their money. And so I grew up with that, uh, hearing that, the church only wants your money. And um, so that was just, it just molds in your brain. I, I, since I've been a little kid, I, my mom would take me to church. Right? No, they just want your money. That's all I heard is a drumbeat. They just want your money. So that's just my foundation as a child, thinking, you know, I heard two different perspectives from my mother and my dad. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, just a little, basically, I want to just say this scripture that Evelyn read in two and a half minutes. Do we need to say any more? 
I mean, God's word is powerful. I am not going to improve on the word of God here, okay? But I'm going to kind of just share my testimony of how this scripture has kind of worked in my life. Can we just go with that there? So I'm not a theologian. I'm not, you know, haven't been to seminary. Uh, I'm just like, you know, I'm just one of us. So I'm, I'm part of covenant community. Uh, but, you know, it's very interesting. We, I learned a great lesson, Judy and I did, in 1986. Uh, for those of y'all that remember that year, there was a, a savings loan crisis in Texas. And the bottom line is that 1986, Judy and I basically had no money. In fact, we owed people money. My best friend had gone bankrupt. Uh, I was running a business at the time, and it was a charter outfit where we flew millionaires around. Okay? And I was going up to mansions, ringing the doorbell, the Maseratis in the driveway, and saying, you know, uh, when are you going to be able to pay your bill? Because it's your jet, but we can't fly it until you pay some of your bill. You know, they all oh, keep, it's just a, it's a cash flow problem. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying there was financial pressures that we went through. And Judy and I, we'd been praying. We bought this house. And we we're like, God, we saw God wanted us to get in this house. And uh, so we just assumed that meant that our house was going to go up in value. <laughs> I didn't see, I've been reading my Bible for a while and it's not in there. Uh, it kind of went down. And, but you know what? You know what? We got to a point in 1986, we said, I guess it's not a financial investment, but we needed to sell it. And so we paid someone to buy our house. We depleted our bank account. And you know what? The next year, that house lost about another 20%. And we would have gone bankrupt, just like many other people do. And so my best friend, who wanted to be a millionaire at 30, went bankrupt. And my education of finances was really shattered a little bit. And so that's just kind of, I want to give you a little foundation about me. Um, this, this will kind of tie in. 25 years ago, in 1994, I got it written, uh, my one-year Bible. Someone said, there's more in the Bible about money. Where's Ralph at? than there is about salvation and a lot of other things, you know? I go, well, I'm going to find out myself. So in 1994, I read through the whole Bible. I underlined everything that had to do with money. And there is a lot in here. So we're not even going to scratch the surface here. I challenge you to read your Bible and find out what God has to say about our, our, our money and stuff like that. Um, one thing I just want to say because, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of different things we can talk about. The one thing that really stands out through all scripture is that God wants your first fruits, not your last fruits. And he wants you to seek him first. He wants you to love him with all your heart. And the principle of the first fruits is very interesting. It's before the principle of the tithe. And the concept there is in gratitude to God. You bring, of course, harvest, the harvest time, the agriculture, that, they got paid like once a year during harvest time, but they would bring their first fruits before they even knew how much they were going to have, which was, so they, there was no percentage involved, okay? He wants you, he wants your first fruits. Uh, so would you uh, do the next slide there? One thing that really has stood out to me uh, is reading through the Bible. And really, if anything you're going to get out of today is about reading through the Bible. Uh, John Adams, uh, in this book here, he wrote a letter to his son because he was traveling so much. And um, on the next slide, he, I read the book, and it's amazing. He said, 
I have, uh, for many, I have myself for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. And, you know, that's not in the Bible that you need to read through it once a year. Okay. But I'm telling you, uh, I've done it kind of mechanically and just check boxes. But I have been reading the Bible for the last 25, 30 years. And I'm just telling you, it's totally changed my life. And, you know, I was thinking of the CLC with Jennifer and stuff like that. You know, young people, if you want to do something radical, like it's not, it's kind of countercultural, read your Bible. <laughs> because it's like illegal. <laughs> you know, the public schools can't mention it, you know. But the CLC, what a blessing in this community. I mean, we need to support that as much as we can because it's teaching the Bible and there's a treasure there, folks. So uh, I just wanted to just kind of point that out that uh, they say John Quincy Adams might have been the most intelligent president we had. Every year he had time to read through the Bible and he wrote that book to his son because it was so important to him. It was really letters that they compiled into that. So I, I want to say that I think for us to hear God, the Bible is foundational. If we're not reading his word and kind of getting to know his character and his personality, it's hard to hear him. So the Bible is very important. And by the way, I'm not going to point any names out of here, but there's two girls in here that Eric's been bragging on that have been reading the Bible every year. They're young people still in high school. And I've had a couple conversations. I'm looking at one of them, and there's another one around here too that, you know, and Eric is so excited because they're sending him texts about how the Word of God is speaking to them. So if you don't get anything out of this, just say the Bible. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not going to ramble too much here. But uh, So let's kind of move into the scripture that Evelyn read. Um, if you go in your Bible and just about any other Bible, it breaks it up into different verses. There's usually subtitles. It says, uh, Parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay. Well, that's not in the Bible either. That's just someone's idea that this is where the parable of the Good Samaritan starts. I actually, through my studies, believe that it started back there in verse 21, where the context is Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And he's kind of saying, why? You don't have to be wise and intelligent to hear God. Okay. It starts with just having a childlike faith. It starts with a, a child. That we don't have to reach some threshold before we hear God. It starts right where you are in that seat. And uh, so if children and infants can understand it, there's going to be this dialogue with an expert in the law. And then we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. But uh, I just want to say that, you know, God can speak to all of us. And uh, so in the scripture, he's basically talking to his disciples. He says, guys, you don't realize how blessed you are. Do you realize that for... The past history, they've been pointing to me coming here. And now what you're experiencing is he's the great teacher. And I think in this conversation, because he gets interrupted by the expert in the law. Oh, wait a minute. You know, the Harvard professor of religion here stands up and says, well, time out, Jesus. You know, <laughs> uh, you're kind of stepping on our toes here. Who are you? Are you a did, what seminary did you go to? Uh, and so the context is a little bit, it starts before we talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, but I just think it's, in, it's important that uh, we realize that as we go through the Bible, God has a plan for us and he wants to speak to us individually. And so I'm going to just go through some of the scripture, the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, that affected me. And 
And I'm going to tie it into stewardship because if you look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, sorry, I keep making that mistake. It's actually not a parable of the Good Samaritan. Most people think it's a parable. It's a story. But the research I did, there's a lot of belief that if it was a parable, he would have been arguing about this thing. A lot of people believe that this encounter on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho uh, actually had happened. You know, like you turn your TV on breaking news. You know, this just happened recently that this person was uh, uh, attacked and hurt. So I don't, I, I probably can say it, parable of the Good Samaritan, but it's a lot of scholars don't believe it's a parable, that it was a real life story that actually happened and Jesus used real life day-to-day uh, observations. So uh, we're gonna talk about stewardship. That's what we're, that's our theme. We've been on gospel stewardship. This is, I think, our fourth week. And uh, I'm not gonna mention, I, I was, but I don't think I've got so much to say. Eric and Steve have done such a great job recently. I, I'm not going to repeat. I had the 27 scriptures that Steve did and, and Eric's, but I, I just know that stewardship is our theme here. And what is stewardship? What is it? And so I have a definition. It says it's the job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or property. Uh, so... I hope today, as we talk about gospel stewardship, you're going to realize that it's full of joy and purpose when we have the privilege to work with God and see him work through us. We're going to do something this afternoon that's going to reach around the world. We have people that have that every pencil that's going to be put in one of these boxes, somebody has sharpened and used their talents to do this. We're, 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 we get to see God use that and, and Operation Christmas Child has this little detail that we can find out where it goes. So we even get a little, you know, find out how we're impacting and what, what countries we're going to. But stewardship, we partner with God. He uses us. And it's, what a blessing to see. You know, I just was thinking of the band up here playing their music. You know, they make the sound, but God's using them to speak to us. Uh, so I want to take us on a journey today. Uh, and it's kind of like the journey of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The journey in the Bible that Evelyn just read was from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's called the Bloody Way. And uh, <clears throat> this is, uh, for the, just a little historical background here, Jericho was probably, is the oldest inhabited city in the world, continuously inhabited. It's, it's a very profound city in our Old Testament. Uh, it's also the lowest city in the world. It's 800 and, what is it, 46 feet below sea level. So it's, you know, it's very low. Uh, it's called the city of man. It was the winter home for many Jerusalem residents. They would go down to the warmer place, you know, just like people go to Phoenix. You know, they go to, uh, you know, like Florida to, in the wintertime. You know, I, I've been told since I've moved here we're called halfbackers, right? We kind of, people went from the north where it's cold to the south. And we don't like it, so we made, they made it halfway back. So I'm a halfbacker now, so. But they did the same thing. They went down this path, the road to Jericho. And um, it, the, the, now Jerusalem is the city of David. We've heard that. It's also many times referred to as the holy city. It's 29, it's 2,450 feet above sea level. So the, the climb Going uphill is about an over 3,000 foot climb, and the climb downhill is going downhill. And uh, those of y'all that like to climb mountains around here, uh, you know, for me, going downhill is harder. That's where I have the trouble. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know about y'all. But anyhow, 
the journey, and people do this on a regular basis. It's kind of like a tour thing. You can go walk the Jerusalem to Jericho or the Jericho to Jerusalem if you want to go uphill or downhill. It takes about eight hours. So uh, just a little background. The reason why it was called the Bloody Way, it's very interesting. Um, historians believe that Herod the Great uh, dismissed about 40,000 men after the completion of the temple. So here they are, unemployed, okay, wandering around. And uh, Josephus informs us that many were uh, unemployed and they became robbers and thieves. The road that was traveled by many of the temple servants ran through the mountainous terrain and uh, it was bordered by high ridges on both sides that allowed it to harbor outlaws and bandits. So it was a very easy place to attack someone uh, the, uh, geographically. <clears throat> so this journey today in the scripture in Luke 10 starts with a conversation really between Jesus and his disciples. Okay. And uh, that's interrupted by the expert in law. Now, who is the expert in law? You know, if you get your Bible, and I love the new Bibles with our cell phones, we can just go click, compare all the different verses, you know. So other translations say a lawyer, a religion scholar, a teacher of the law, an expert in the Mosaic law. Uh, this expert probably had the Torah memorized, and, uh, which is the first five books of the Bible. And, and remember, this guy's a Bible expert. You know, when we think of lawyer or something like that, we might get confused with our culture. This is the religious leader. He's the expert here, okay? And who's he talking to? Yeah, I'm talking to Jesus. Well, so he quotes what every pious, devout Jew, I bet you Mickey could attest to this. Mickey, every day, does a devout Jew uh, repeat the Shema? Just about every day. When you wake up, you, you quote the Shema, which is the next slide. Uh, and you probably uh, read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And this is, you know, this is the foundational doctrine in uh, the Jewish faith. So notice in it, it talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So uh, when Jesus was asked, or when, when the, the uh, expert asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you're the expert. What does it say? So he, he repeats the Shema. Oh, and then he adds... Leviticus 19, and love your neighbor as yourself. To kind of show he's up there. He knows a lot of stuff. He's the expert here because people really focus on the Shema. But we're going to go even further and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so guess what? Jesus said the expert was right. Uh, he knew the right answer. But did he really know it? Did, he, did, did the expert really know it he said it he had the, he passed the test but did he know it uh, so you know this is a question that's not going to be answered today and I'm every day this is how do we love God with all our heart soul mind how do we do that how does that happen when we leave the church today how does that how does that happen how do we love him uh, so, next slide, please. We're, uh, we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan, and we're going to show how in this Luke 10 scripture talks about how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure, and how that is 
an integral part of stewardship. And Steve mentioned earlier, someone mentioned earlier about that. And it's a theme. And by the way, what, what do we really have? We have time, right? It, God's given us talent. That, I mean, you know, the Bible talks about that, but we're very talented people here in, in LJ. And, uh, and because, you know, I'm looking at everyone's dress, everyone's got, you know, we have treasure too. So we all have these, it's really what it composes us. The, the issue is how do we manage? How do we manage our lives? What, what, how, do we, how do we make our decisions? Two, love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, so let's talk about, we're going to go through the three, time, treasure, time, talent, and treasure. So time. Uh, you know, it's for, it, to me, as I get older, the older you get, the more valuable it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's something that, as you get older, time's a totally depleting uh, commodity. It, it just disappears. And so, to me, it's, it's kind of the, the, the most valuable to me. Um, and notice that all three of the travelers on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, they have the same amount of time. I mean, Bill Gates, minute. And Keith Conaby's minute is exactly 60 seconds. I mean, they all have time. How do we use our time? Uh, so I just want to point out that um, sometimes people maybe make the wrong choices with their time, how they spend it. The priest and the Levite didn't have time, did they? They didn't have time to stop. The Samaritan did. So there was a, there's a time element there that... One of them used their resource. They, they all used their resources a little bit differently. Uh, but this, the, the Samaritan was the only one that stewarded his time for someone else. Um, so as we go through life, interruptions happen all the time. You know? And I could go in example after example. You know, I mean, this morning, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted to do get here because I'm nervous and I didn't, you know, know how this is all going to work out. And John made me feel good. He just plugged me up and, you know, but I'm just saying I was nervous. Well, you know, I come up and there's Steve with this huge table <laughs> moving it by himself, of course, because <laughs> and uh, Steve. So, you know, this is a, min a minuscule thing, but it just happened an hour ago. I, that's not what I plan to do. But Steve, we need to get that table in here. So I helped him, right? Steve is the perfect example of someone that stops to help people out all the time. His schedule is interrupted all the time. Probably don't want to know what time the telephone rings at his house. <laughs> um, so uh, how do you handle interruptions in your life? Uh, you know, Steve also says when you get bumped, what comes out is who you are. Kind of like I, might, I may be paraphrasing that. But uh, what happens when interruptions happen in your life? When somebody had a death in the family this week, uh, that wasn't planned. Uh, last week, there was a, someone that committed suicide. How does that affect the family? That interrupts everything, doesn't it? How do you handle interruptions? What about a traffic jam? Okay, well, I don't want to get too far in here. I'm going to show you the interruption that happened to 130 people last week. Okay, uh, right there you can see Houston, Phoenix. Problem is, those people wanted to go to Albuquerque. <laughs> and as I took off, this is my flight last Wednesday, flight 1930. You can see I missed all the storms. You see the little dot up there on the top? You see the dashed blue line? That was my destination. That's where those 130 people thought they were going. <laughs> they didn't get there. 
we we had a divert. You know, I missed the storms, but I the fog rolled in, and I, I need landing minimums, so I had a divert. And I was thinking, because I'm thinking about this message last week, I'm like, I wonder all those 130 people, what their plans were. Did they miss a wedding? Did they miss an important business meeting? Did they miss a funeral? I mean, I was just wondering, I kind of caused, I mean, you know, I did, safety is our number one priority. That's just what we had to do. And I did something hoping they'd get back that night, but they, they didn't. The company just couldn't find a jet or a pilot to do it. So they got stuck in Phoenix. And I got rewrited too, but that happens to me all the time. Um, so, you know, I know I don't handle those situations very well a lot of times. When I get caught in a traffic jam and I want to be somewhere, sometimes it's good I'm in the car by myself, okay? <laughs> okay, I got something else I'm going to show you. This next slide here. There's a famous study. How many have heard about the Princeton uh, study from 1973 about the, uh, the, the theological seminary? That they, they, they did a study. Where is it here? I got it here. It's a famous study done in 1973. It's called From Jerusalem to Jericho. And what they did at the seminary, they, the people that were there were trying to help people. They wanted to go to seminary to help people, right? That was their heart's intent. So I want to help people. Uh, but there was this, uh, it's a psychology class in the seminary. They were going to study whether people actually did what they believed. So what they did was they had they did different people. And it, it, I wanted to get the real study because I've heard a lot about this. A lot of books have written about this book. I go, I'm going to get the real study. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I can't understand some of this stuff, but uh, when they get into the math and all that stuff, I can't understand it. But it ended up, they took all the, 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 the things on the edge that were like maybe the people knew they were tipped off. There might be some problem they're going to encounter they narrowed it down to 40 people. 20 people were told this. You're here. We're going to pay you $1.50. Back in 73. You could buy lunch for that, I think. Uh, to do this psychological study. And you're going to read something and then go give a report across the courtyard. Okay, so 20 people were told they're going to give a report about future jobs in uh, seminarians. So that's what they were, they were going to read something, then go across and give a report on that. The other 20 were going to read the parable of the Good Samaritan and say, we're going to try to see, you know, uh, how you handle a, a last minute uh, requirement to read something and go across and then uh, give your report. So there was two different sets. One didn't have anything to do with the parable of the Good Samaritan. The other 20 had something to do with the parable of the Good Samaritan. So remember, now these are people, these are seminarians who want to help people. So, uh, how many people do you think stopped? Okay, so I'm sorry, I gotta tell you the rest of the story. So, while they're crossing the courtyard, there's going to be a person in the corner, strategically put so that they have to pass by him, and he's gonna be, his head down, he's gonna be coughing, <coughs> just in need. You know, in other words, you can't notice, you can't not but notice that this person is in need. So they're going to have to walk right past this guy to give the report. And so the only thing that was different that they told both groups is they, they said, the professor would go, oh, yeah, they're expecting you in a little bit. But you might as well go over there now. And, you know, whenever, when they're ready, they'll call you. You can go do it. And then the other people said, oh, 
You were supposed to be there 10 minutes ago. Hurry up, head over there, and uh, give your report over there. They'll be waiting for you. So guess who stopped and who didn't stop? I'm just going to read you the conclusion of the... I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to say the conclusion and implications. A person not in a hurry may stop and offer help to a person in distress. A person in a hurry is likely to keep going. And then they say, ironically, uh, he is likely to keep going even if, he's, if he is hurrying to speak on the parable of the Good Samaritan. He <laughs> just read it. <laughs> Thus, uh, inadvertently confirming the point of the parable. Indeed, on several occasions, listen to this, a seminary student going to give his talk on the parable of the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victim as he hurried on his way. 10% of the people stopped. So, how about us? We say we want to love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have a lot of things that we want to do. We want to go on a diet. We want to, you know, we want to exercise. We want to make more money. What is it that sometimes we contradict ourselves? What happens? You know, so it's a fascinating study. I have it if you want to read it. Um, so... We're going to talk a little bit about the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge as we go through here. We're going to, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But there's a big difference between what we know, and Steve and Eric talked about, you know, the devil knows that God exists, right? Right, so there's, there's a knowledge thing there, but there's also something that has to happen. So let's, let's shift gears. Let's go to talent, okay? Um, I want to just say the Good Samaritan obviously had talents, right? What did he do? He, uh, he knew how to care for people. He, uh, he had some, some kind of medical knowledge for his time. He put oil and wine on his wounds. Uh, he was resourceful. He used his donkey. He lifted him up. He was courageous. This is, a, this is an interesting point that I learned this week. That, you know, when you're going down the road, let's not be so hard at the priest and the Levite. Because you know what? When there's a man half dead, that means the robbers might be close by. Okay. I mean, it might be like you're fearful for your own life. Because this is the road of the bloody way. This is not something that just happens once in the Bible. I mean, this is something that happened a lot. That's why the name was the bloody way. So, I mean, how many of us want to enter a dangerous situation? So I, let's don't be too judgmental here. But he had a talent. He goes, I'm going in. I'm, you know what? That guy's in need. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be courageous. I'm going to go in there and try to help out. Uh, so he was... Uh, the one thing that is very powerful word in this whole Luke 10 is he had compassion on the man. And I'm not going to give you a lot of answers today. That's why I'm going to want you to read the Bible. But where does that compassion come from? Where? What makes one person have compassion for someone and some doesn't? Um, so the other thing I want to talk about uh, our talent is that, you know, so often we think that um, talent is like a static thing. But, you know, really, if you have a talent, if you're a little person, young person, if you're a child, what does a child want to be? They want to be a teenager. You know, then they want to be a young adult, an adult. They, they, want, to, they want to move. I mean, I have my little two-year-old daughter yesterday. <laughs> she was at the house, and she's potty training, right? 
And so we've gone from the stage of like, hey, do you want to go into a potty? And we had a special throne for it and everything. And, and, and she was so proud of that. And, no, and she's moving in her talents. She's, she's now, she can get on this little seat by herself with us. Well, I don't know. Judy goes in there. And now it's like, no, no, I can do it by myself. I can go in there by myself, you know. I mean, there, in life, isn't that what we do? Don't we want to progress? I mean, if you get a job, you know, let's say it's minimum wage, what do you want to do? Can you maybe be a supervisor, become a manager, maybe a regional manager, maybe a vice president, a president? I mean, don't we want to, don't we want to grow in our talents as we get better, our expertise and stuff like that? So, uh, you know, an athlete, first thing they want to do is make the team. Second thing, oh, hey, third string, I'm on. Second string, first, I want to be a starter, right? Isn't this, isn't this how our talents are used? We, we grow. Uh, an investor, let's talk about money. We can do that. It's a stewardship thing. Start off with no money, <laughs> like we were 30 years ago. No money, you know? Well, the next goal is to have a little bit of money, okay? And the progress is maybe a little bit of money turns into a little more, and maybe we have a lot. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll, the Lord can determine a lot of these things. Our talents, I mean, the athlete can get injured. There's a lot of things that can interrupt our plans. But we, I want you to see the process here that talents are, are, are something that grows. So a disciple of Christ. So is our, in our church, what I love is the hearts of the people here. You know, we start off as a babe, right? And then we want to mature. And in God's kingdom... He wants to find good stewards that he can use in his kingdom. So if we are just babes, do you just want to stay in the crib and let mama take care of you? Or do you want to get out and, be, and learn about God and, and what he has for me specifically, for you specifically? So I, I wanted to say that, that um, uh, a talent is something that, that is uh, uh, something that we all understand. And so, you know, the talent that the, the Samaritan used on the road was he just used what he had at that time. He didn't have to be somebody else. Um, the next one, we're, we're moving through here pretty good. Oh, my God. Ooh. Treasure. <laughs> Everybody's doing okay here. Sorry. I, I, I've kind of lost track of time here. You know, time, according to Einstein, is relative, right? It moves fast sometimes and slow other times, right? So I'm in a different dimension right now. So I... Uh, <laughs> I've instructed people to give me the look like it's getting too long, okay? So, uh, <laughs> so we're on treasure, so we're kind of at point three now. Um, let me tell you something. About, so the treasure principle, there's a lot of different things. You know what the, the Samaritan treasured? He treasured people more than possessions. Isn't that obvious? Isn't that obvious when we read the scripture? That he treasured people because he used his money, what to do? To buy a hotel, you know, to uh, take care of his needs. You know, see, and you know what? Do you just happen to accidentally enter in that situation? Or does it, is it something that... It kind of tells me that he was living below his means, doesn't it? He had extra money that he planned to spend not on himself. How many people in America do that? Right? Uh, so... Uh, you know, one of the things that we can do is, if we can go to the next slide here, please, Jade. We've heard this already from Eric and Steve. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, but in my reading this week, I want to just read you a couple of things that I read. And, um, and listen closely, because the, 
couple words are just critical. Anything you treasure or love, you have to stop yourself from spending money on it. So, you know, when we're talking about gospel stewardship, if we love God with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, you have to stop us from spending money on it, right? If it's something you treasure, right? So, uh, so here's an example. How much would you spend on World Series tickets? Nothing, right, right, right. How much do you think some people spend? It might give us a key to what they treasure. So you can read it. You know, back in 1903, the World Series tickets sold for a dollar a piece. <laughs> and the, the highest ever was the, the, the series between the Cubs and Cleveland, $2,185 a seat. So if you took two people, that's a car, isn't it? So who would spend money on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they might take a loan out, too. Oh, yeah, totally someone has it. Who would spend that much money to go? I mean, I am a baseball fan. You guys know that. I just, there's just no way I'm going to even buy standing room. I think standing room only were like 600 bucks. I'm like. It's better on TV, really, it is. <laughs> but do you think those people treasured going, I mean, I'm not sure why they treasured or why you'd spend that much money. I, I, I don't want to go into all that. But I'm just saying, the principle is, if you love something, you have to stop spending money on it. It's like, it's, it's, you, it's easy to spend money at. You can, always, uh, you can always justify your overspending, too, you know what I mean? Because you treasure it. I mean, just think in your own life, what do you treasure? It's probably easy for some, think about what you treasure. It's easy to spend money on, right? Your children, um, uh, hello, uh, eyes, it's easy. Easy for me, grandchildren, you know, it's easy to spend money, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so we don't ask, how much do I have to spend? We actually ask, how much can I spend? If you love something, how much can I spend, right? That's if you treasure something, that's really the question you're going to want to ask. How much can I spend? What, what can I do? And uh, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to verse 33 in uh, Luke 10. Uh, and I'm going to read it to you. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He must have treasured him in some way. Because he spent money on it. You know, maybe, maybe it was an obligation. I don't know. I, I, I'm just saying, when we're talking about treasure, just look at your own life. What do you treasure? And, uh, and I, I, I pray that you treasure his word and you treasure him. And, you know, you'll get to know him better as you read his word. Okay. So, I'm going to conclude. Uh, just give me a few more minutes, so. Uh, let, let, me su let me sum it up this way. The good Samaritan had enough time, he had enough talent, and he had enough treasure, and he honored God. Um, I want to just say, um, we could just conclude that gospel stewardship with the good Samaritan could be understood simply by managing your resources properly. However, I think that would be a mistake. It's just not something that we just agree that this is the way we should do it. Um, so I want to just uh, point out something that, I, that was so profound to me that 
if you get it, and you know, it's, you know, it's funny because in, in the Bible it talks about hearing and seeing and sometimes you can't hear and see. It took me many, many years to hear this. So this is an, a profound point. God, in my opinion, you can talk to me and disagree with me too. He does one thing, he gives. God only gives. And in our small group, we, Steve said last week, you know, uh, God gives us the oxygen to breathe. And so that inspired us in small group. And we went around and we all filled out a card with five different things. And I had them and I forgot to bring them. Because they were great. They were, they were, because we tried to go a little bit off the wall stuff. You know, we thank for families. But, you know, we were kind of getting some, I can't remember any of them now right now because I'm up on the stage. But uh, there were some really good ones. Up, but what God gives us all the time. He's a giver that gives us stuff all the time. And uh, so I want to just uh, tell you a little joke here, actually. I should have, you know, most people start off with a joke. But this is uh, about a scientist that uh, God was sitting in heaven one day when a scientist said to him, God, we don't need you anymore. Science has finally figured out a way to create life out of nothing. In other words, we can now do what you did in the beginning. Oh, is that so? Explain, replies God. Well, says the scientist, we can take dirt and form it into the likeness of you and breathe life into it, thus creating man. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Show me, God says. So the scientist bends down to the earth and starts to mold the soil into the shape of them. No, 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 interrupts God. Get your own dirt. <laughs> Doesn't he give us everything? Doesn't he give us everything? Uh, tell me what the earth gives to the sun. It maybe reflects the sun, right? What does the sun give to the earth? Everything that we enjoy, right? So I just wanted to use that symbol because to me, if we understand that God is not trying to get anything from you in this stewardship thing, he's giving all the time. And, you know, we, we talk about, well, just give a portion of what God's given you. He's given us everything. And if you ponder that this afternoon, you'll realize we'll, we could just continually talk about, you know, the million red blood cells produced every second that he's given us. I mean, in my body, we could just go on for in eternity of how much he gives us. So I just kind of wanted to just kind of sum it up with that. Uh, I want this. I want this song to be sung. Could you all come on up here and finish on that song? And as they, they come up here, uh, I want to just kind of mention a couple things. Luke 10 uh, talks about a beaten man robbed on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, but remember, this was in a discussion with the disciples. They were there, and Jesus is talking face-to-face -face with this expert in law. So we assume the victim, and it was the man on the road, is it possible the victim was also the expert in the law? Is it possible that he knew the scripture but missed the whole meaning of it? And so, as we finish here, uh, 
This is the hardest journey to take. It's from the head to the heart. You're going to have a lot of interruptions that come in your life that you're not going to like. A lot of things I don't like. But we have to realize that God is in charge of it, that he wants to teach us through it, that he wants to use us, maybe to comfort other people. And uh, I just thank the Lord for this opportunity. I thank the Lord for the people in here that have ministered to me and have been good friends to me. I've got more friends in this church in six years than I had in Texas in 25 years. And y'all have been so gracious and good friends to me. So I just want to finish with this. Today's a very special day for me. I titled the, the message Simple Gift because six years ago, John and Charlene invited us to come to the packing party. And, you know, what we do is so simple. That's what's the genius of these gifts is when we give gifts. So when, if we are avenues of God who gives, when we give, you know what happens? We extend his grace. We extend his grace. Y'all give all the time. You're extending God's grace. <laughs> and thank you for giving so much. Uh, this song here is called Simple Pursuit. You know, we don't have to be really intelligent to understand this. We just have to realize that, you know, the half-dead man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, what did he do? Nothing. He just received help from the Good Samaritan. That's it. And if we have that posture with God, we need him. It's that simple. And so as we pursue God with our body, I want to just say one thing before you all sing. Because I want to, I want to, Emma's going to be in the back. We have a gift for you on Gospel Stewardship Sunday. We have, we're going to do this later on, but it, they came in this week, so I thought I'd, uh, talk about it now we have the covenant community of LJ read through the bible in 2020 you know if you want to know it's back on the back Emma's gonna uh give them to you we don't have enough right now but I want you to do me a favor if, if we're all reading this and Steve's had a good idea find some find two or three people that you could read through the bible together and listen if you skip a day skip a day just you know whatever but if you find some people you can discuss what the what, what you're reading in the Bible, it, it really will bond us together, I think, better. We'll get to know God better because really the foundation, what, what Everly said in two and a half minutes is so profound. When you read the Bible, it, it will change your life. So can I say a prayer? Let me say a prayer. And, and the, the band will dismiss us with this simple pursuit. Lord, we thank you so much for simply loving us just the way we are, Lord. Just as the Samaritan met the bloody traveler, there was no preconditions. He just came and ministered to him. And Lord, we all have issues. We all have problems. We all have sin in our lives, Lord, that we need you. And we, we ask you to take care of us. And Lord, as we go through... Uh, these days at Covenant Community Church, Lord, we ask you to guide us as a body and uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. 
We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.